Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hello there. Welcome to this episode of The Burt Not Ernie Show. This week, we're going to be looking at a passage in the New Testament from the book of Matthew, and it is one of Jesus's parables. He taught a lot of parables, and we're just going to take a look at one of those today. There's a lot of hope in this particular parable, and we need that, wouldn't you say? Like, if you're totally honest, would you would you say along with me that, yes, we need hope right now. We need faith, we need hope, and we need love, because These three will remain. That's what it says in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. So if we apply what Jesus taught in this parable that I'm going to read from Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, if we apply it to our lives and our thinking, I think our faith and our hope are going to grow and our love will increase. It's like a triple threat coming at you from the word of God today. Let's check it out. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing via the Edify app. This is episode number 141. Okay, so let me start off by mentioning that Matthew 24, so it's just the chapter right before, this is like the text just prior to what I'm going to be referencing today in the parable I'm going to read, Uh, it mentions a lot of things. Jesus was sharing about the future there in Matthew 24. He was he was speaking about the last days. The book of Daniel is referenced, um, his return, Jesus's return was referenced, and what we would call, of course, his second coming. And there at the very close of that chapter, chapter 24, the Lord Jesus explained pretty clearly what his servants, his faithful servants, as he put it, ought to be like. A faithful Sensible servant is one that the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If he returns and he finds that the servants, his servants, not those who serve themselves, but those who say they serve him, that serve the master, if he finds them, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, you did a good job, then there's going to be a reward. That's what it says. But if they have not done what the master considers to be a good job. Like this does not say to do what you or I as his servants, what we consider to be a good job. No, no. It says to do what he considers to be a good job. He will return unannounced and unexpected, it says, and he will cut that servant to pieces and assign that servant a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, that that's the end of Matthew 24. So that's what comes just before Matthew 25. Okay, so um, you can look at that in Matthew 24 verses 45 through 51 if you would like to and read it yourself. And I, you know, I would say that that's always a good policy 
like read over the actual passages of scripture that people are sharing with you. That's always a good policy. It's always wise. There's wisdom in that. It's it's brutal in its honesty, I guess you might say, but isn't that exactly what we would expect from a good, loving God to like tell us the truth, even if it's the hard truth, so that we can be prepared for what the consequences of obedience or disobedience will be? Like he loves us so much. He does not want us to be in that severely dealt with group of disobedient servants who didn't do what the master wanted them to be doing. Like he loves us too much to just leave us to our own devices. The cross is ample proof of that. He wants us to know exactly what he expects so we can know what to expect. What's the end result going to be? He's already told us for either obedience or disobedience. Sure, it can be hard to read a passage like that, but it's a loving reminder of the absolute truth given to us by a loving God who does not want us to be caught unaware. Okay, so that's the text that comes just prior to the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Uh, Some translations of the Bible refer to it as the parable of the 10 virgins. In the New Living Translation, here's what it says. This is Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and they went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming! Come out and meet him! All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready, then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, When the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. These are Jesus' words, my friend, and they are worth heeding and taking seriously. When we read this, this parable directly on the heels of Jesus, where he was speaking about the master and the servants and the rewards and punishments that will come at that time uh, in Matthew 24. When we read this right after that, it opens our eyes to see just how seriously Jesus wanted his listeners to take this. And who are his listeners today? You and I, those of us who are the readers, the students of the Bible. And we should be a student of the Word of God. If you can be a student of you know, a series on Disney Plus, I think you can be a student of the Word of God if you call yourself a Christian, a disciple of Jesus. We need to take it seriously because Jesus was making such strong points here. He wants us to take it seriously. We should take it seriously because it is serious. It's serious to him. If it's serious to him, it ought to be serious to us, his people, those of us who bear his name. Today is the day for us to step up and kind of get real about the fact that Jesus said a lot, like a whole lot, quite a lot about his return. And if he talked about it a lot, we should probably pay attention to it. Maybe even pay a lot of attention to it. Think of it this way. The entire book of Revelation, which is, by the way, just it's the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing to the reader. So that's that's 
there. That's substantial. But the entire book of Revelation, it's like 22 chapters of just prophecy. It's, it's prophetic. It's a book about Jesus, what's going to happen and what, how Jesus is going to triumph. I mean, it's, we mean it when we say as Christians, we've read the end of the book. We know how it ends. It's, it's going to be so great. It will be so great. Don't let the scary parts of Revelation, you know, scare you. There are scary parts, but don't let them scare you because Jesus said in regard to the last days, end times kind of things, he said not to be afraid. In Luke 21, he says that exact thing. When you see these things happening, do not be fearful. So I really hope that you and I can trust him so much that we will do what he said. And what he said was to not be afraid. So let's just like choose to not give way to fear. And I really do believe to some degree, to a large degree, possibly even it is a choice. Like you, it, I'm, you can't prevent yourself from feeling fear at times. You can make a decision as a follower of Jesus to not give way to just fall under the, the, you know, oh, I'm just giving into despair and fear and it's overwhelming me. I think in that way we can choose to say, I got to trust Jesus. Even in the scariest moments, uh, well, what's, what's scariest of all? Not trusting my Lord when he said to, yep, I'm going to trust him. If Jesus said not to be afraid, then we don't have to be fearful. What we ought to do is say, I'm going to obey my Lord no matter what. And he's going to help me to not be afraid, even when things feel scary. In the parable that I just read, there's a depiction here of a Jewish wedding. Um, and you're like, yeah, that way to state the obvious, Jan. Yeah, I know. But, you know, the thing is, is that Israeli weddings are different than other weddings in other cultures, historically and around the world, even today. They paint a picture that really is, uh, it paints this picture of Jesus and his return is really what the picture is painting. And they really do. Like, think about the fact that in a Jewish wedding, so here's what Jesus is like in the, in the time when Jesus was living, and they still do a lot of these things today, as that's my understanding. They, the father of the groom pays the dowry, right? I mean, he, he pays the dowry for the bride. Isn't that kind of what happened to us, like completely what happened to us, Jesus, the father sent Jesus to pay for us, the bride of Christ. And what was the price that he paid? The precious blood of his son. Um, then in, in Jewish weddings, the groom goes away and starts getting everything ready for, you know, just the married life, which that kind of sounds like what Jesus said when he said, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you that where I am, you might come and be with me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Okay, so he has, he has, it's, isn't this beautiful how God does this? Like he puts things in real life that are just like replicas, as Paul would have it, as kind of like of, of what's actually in the spiritual realm. The more real world is the spiritual world and we just can't see it with our naked eye. And so we don't really recognize it. But think about that. Like, so he goes away to prepare a place. That's what happens in a Jewish wedding. And it's somewhere about a year later. So the bride will not know exactly when the groom is coming, but she'll know like the, eh, it's about this month. It's been about a year. We're coming up on time. I should be paying attention and be expectant. Sounds like what we ought to do. We don't know that hour the day that Jesus is going to return, but we can know the seasons that we're living in and like, yeah, I should be paying attention and we should be paying attention. What kind of disciples are we if we're like, yeah, I don't care. It take a hundred years, doesn't matter, no skin off my back. Whoa, uh, we should be like 
no, no, I, I want the Lord to come. I want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want that. So I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to be expectant for his return. I'm going to be like a bride waiting for the groom in this Israeli Jewish type wedding scenario. So she would be like, mm, yeah, okay, it's been about a year, probably be around this month. It's been a year since this whole marriage contract was set up. I need to be ready to get ready when the moment comes. The bride's, um, I guess that, well, the bride would be waiting. Her bride's maids would kind of be also like paying attention. They would know the season. And then the groom would sound like his groomsmen. His, uh, they would come and like blow trumpets to kind of announce that the groom is coming. And when the bride would hear the sound of the trumpets, kind of hear the ruckus that was going on, she would know it's time to get ready. It's my wedding day. It's time to get ready. Revelation says that when he returns, we're going to hear in other places in the New Testament, there'll be a trumpet sound and the Old Testament. I mean, you could read Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah. There's a lot of things that you can study about the return of Christ, but it's going to be announced. Um, every eye, you know, every, it says every man will see him. Okay, so this is going to be a big deal when he comes back. Doesn't that sound similar? They make an announcement with a trumpet blast and then the, the groom is there to get his bride yeah, when he returns for his bride, Christ, we are the bride of Christ, the New Testament says. It's going to be very much like the Jewish wedding. Super, super cool, isn't it? It's, and then in this parable, we read about them going into the feast. And we know that Jesus has said that there will be a feast for us, the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I don't want you to be under kind of that false idea, that notion that heaven is going to be boring or drab. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I mean that completely seriously. It will be anything but. It will be the greatest thing ever. And I'm not exaggerating in the least when I say that. So those are some comparisons between a Jewish wedding and Jesus's return. Think about this. Thousands of years before his return, the Lord set up this kind of wedding among his chosen people, the Israelites, and it accurately portrays what his return is going to be like. Man, that's a beautiful thing. We can know certain things about his return based on what he has told us. Super cool. And it's important to know those things because that's, we should look forward to that day with hope. If you're not looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face, I want to encourage you to pray about why you're not looking forward to it because God wants you looking forward to it. Jesus can't wait to see you face to face. Satan is the only one I can think of who's going to be like, nah, you don't need to look forward to that. We don't want what Satan wants. We want only and always what the Lord wants. And the Bible is always pointing to Jesus, right? I mean, it's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus from start to finish. Like, And these 10 bridesmaids, who were they waiting for? They were waiting for the groom. Who's the groom? Well, if we're the bride of Christ, then Christ is the groom. So we're waiting for our groom's arrival. And like a Jewish wedding, it's going to come with the trumpet sounding. When the parable mentions these bridesmaids falling asleep, though, it doesn't say that that was a negative thing. It, it says that they all fell asleep because the hour grew late. I don't think that Jesus was, you know, let me actually just go back and read it. I, I'm really certain that this is not like the negative part of the story. It's just not. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep, all of them. And then at midnight, they were roused by the shout. And they start getting their lamps ready. And some of them realize they don't have enough oil. They need more oil. They can't keep their lamp burning. They ran out of oil. So 
It's not a bad thing that they fell asleep because the hour grew late. Right? That's not a bad thing. I need somebody to hear that today. If you are looking at it and saying, it just seems like it's taken a long time, and there's a lot of really bad things that I've experienced, that people I love have experienced, I I turn on the news and I'm just heartbroken at what's going on in the world. Lord, it feels like you're delaying. Okay, if you fall asleep because he was he's delayed and the hour is late, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Look, you got 10 people, 10 women, 10 bridesmaids. They went out expectantly and there was a delay and they got tired and fell asleep. Jesus is not going to ever punish you for weariness with the heaviness of this world. It doesn't work that way. That's not where the, where the disconnect happens here between the, where the 10 split into two groups of five. That's not it. If you're weary, go to the Lord, the only one who can unweary you. Unburden your soul to him and let him give you renewed strength for life in a way that only he can. And won't he do it? Yes, he will. He absolutely will. These 10, they weren't five who know the Lord and five who don't. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying there's five who go to church a few times a year, Christmas and Easter maybe. He's not saying uh, I was baptized as an infant. My parents took me and I haven't been in a church since. I don't know Jesus as anything more than, you know, I know him mostly as a swear word that my coworkers use and, and horrible, you know, horrible swear word in movies. and th- Like that's not who half of these bridesmaids were. They were paying attention enough to know, oh, it's time. He's coming. It's it's time. Let's go. Let's go to the wedding. I'm ready. They just ran out of oil while they were waiting in the very last hours, very last little stretch, the last hours before the groom showed up, okay? These are going to be the ones who are paying enough attention to know the groom was on his way, all of them, all 10 of them. Let's consider that for a moment. How are you and I doing at recognizing the signs of the times and paying attention to this current season that we're in. If we're not paying attention to right now, we're not going to notice what comes next. Like we got to start paying attention now so that when tomorrow comes and then the next tomorrow comes and the next tomorrow comes, we're, we're already attuned to paying attention. Don't assume that you're going to clue in at the last minute and suddenly jump in there and be one of the 10 bridesmaids. Pay attention. Be one now. Be an attentive part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, now, right now. Are we aware enough to grab our lamps and expectantly wait for what's coming? Do we even know where we are on the kingdom calendar, so to speak? Have we read the Bible enough to know where we're actually at? What's happening? What else we can expect that comes next? Because there's some stuff coming next. Like, do we know where we're at on the kingdom calendar? Start there. If we totally miss the season we're in, thinking that things are going to go back to normal, whatever normal is, uh, you know, not much is going on right now. Sure, there's some stuff happening here and there around the world, but you know, mostly everything's okay. And you know, the world is, it's getting better. It's on the uptick. Things are going to be great. I still got a whole lot of time left. Look, I want to say that as of right now, the spring of 2023, even a modicum of sticking your head in the sand and that kind of thinking, it can be deceptive and dangerous. And based on this parable, where at the end of it, he says, uh, I don't know you. Like, that's deadly kind of dangerous. We cannot afford to have our our head in the sand. Like, let's not even have like one hair on our head in the sand, let alone living like ostriches. Let's pay attention. Let's know what we need to know. In this era of history, it's important to keep our eyes on Israel. 
So, you know, what's going on in Israel? You know, in the age of the Gentile church, like think of the Gentile age or the age of grace, it's often called. That's when those of us who are not Jewish have the opportunity to come to salvation through the Messiah, Jesus. And we've had this long stretch, a couple thousand years, where we have not really had to turn our eyes back toward Israel. But here's the thing. Paul wrote about this in the New Testament, that there's going to come a day when the scales will fall from their eyes and it will kind of turn from being the age of grace to back to Israel because everything wraps up in Israel in the end of the book in Revelation. Everything goes back to Israel. The prophecies that Daniel was given, they're talking about his people and his country in Israel. That's It's going to go turn back. The focus will go back to Israel, right? The scales will fall from their eyes, is what Paul says. They will see that Jesus is a Messiah. And here's what Paul says. This is beautiful. They will turn as one man. They'll get it. Like, boom. Instantly, they'll get it. They'll see who Jesus is. Okay, so keep your eyes on Israel because everything's going to go back to Israel. Like if you're thinking about what does this mean, the king of the north, and what is this? Well, uh, orient yourself on a map to Israel and what's north of Israel. Like these, seriously, like pay attention to Israel. It's important. We want to be watching so that we notice shifts that maybe don't seem so big because then we're not going to be taken by surprise when a bigger shift happens when things ramp up. And, you know, you're going to have to look a little bit because you're probably not going to see this on news in America, other parts of the world, you're going to see more of it. But like take right now, for example, March of 2023, late March, there's a lot happening in Israel. Interesting stuff. And hey, what do you know? It all lines up with the word of God. It's important to pay attention to what's happening in Israel, Palestine, Iran, Syria, the Middle East. What's going on with the the governments over there currently? Well, here's a couple things. There's some heavy-duty protesting going on right now, as in hundreds of thousands of people. It's even being referred to as a civil war. Benjamin Netanyahu has said it is on the brink of civil war. He may have actually even said we are at civil war. That's a big deal. You need to pay attention to that. Key members of government are resigning and being fired. Around the world, people that work in Israeli, um, just think about like, Oh, you know, we have ambassadors and things like there are people that work with Israel and that people who are from Israel resigning like crazy. The U.S. consulate has said Americans need to leave Israel right now. They are there's talk about um, trying to pass. There may be a delay to this, but trying to pass laws that would end up with actual prison time for people sharing Christianity with the Jewish populace that lines up with what Jesus said would happen. There are red heifers that are in Israel that are being moved to Shiloh, and uh, they're about two years old right now. Really important if you know anything about they they've been looking they've been watching for their red heifer, their perfect red heifer for a long time. They only need one. I think they have six or seven. Uh, there are nine priests who have been raised up there for really such a time as this, I guess you might say, who are prepared to be able to do the sacrifice of the red heifer in preparation for the building of the third temple. They have the man who owns the land that overlooks the dome of the rock. He says he's ready. They can go ahead and anytime the red heifers are ready, if they find one pure red heifer with not one hair that's not red on its body anywhere, they can sacrifice, do the sacrifice ceremony there on the hilltop that overlooks the dome of the rock. It's actually higher than the dome of the rock. Very important. And uh, it has been linked with Some of the prior temples, also very important. They have nine young men who are priests per the Jewish tradition. They were not born in hospitals. They were born at home. 
They have never been to a cemetery. They were raised, all nine of them, in a way that is like, according to the Old Testament Jewish law, they are not unclean in any way, shape, or form. These are huge, huge things happening. And when they all are happening at the same time, pay attention. Eyes on Israel, my friend. Okay, so here's my little caveat that's not really a caveat because I know you know this and I've mentioned it before. Jesus said no man and of course no woman will know the hour of the day of his return. That is unarguably true. There is a 0% chance I'm ever going to be some person saying this date. I don't believe in that stuff. It's not biblical. It's wrong. I do wonder, however, if there are people who maybe reference that one verse and they leave out everything else that Jesus said about knowing the signs of the time, how am I going to know to look up because my redemption draws nigh when Jesus said, when these things all happen, look up. I'm right at the door. Your redemption draweth nigh. I don't want to miss the opportunity to look up. And quite frankly, if I'm not looking up, I'm probably looking down. That is not how followers of Jesus are meant to live. So we do not know the hour of the day, but by golly, we need to be looking up. And you start looking up with expectation. You start living in a way that's like, I want to be more focused on Jesus and glorifying him and telling more people about the Lord than I ever have been before. That's what happens when you start really, really, really getting excited about the Lord returning. You care about people in a different sort of a way. Shouldn't we be the most loving, caring people on the planet? Yes, we should be. Rhetorical question there. So there are some people who are going to be like, yeah, well, they quote that one verse and that's like their, their past they give themselves to just live however they want to live. You know, Jesus had some really strong words for those who could read the sky at night and know what the next day's weather would be. They could look at that tree and and tell spring is almost here, but they had no clue about what was happening with him as their Messiah right there in that moment. They were missing it, even though the word of God had pointed to it and should have been prepared for it because they knew what the word of God said, but they missed it. What matters more to the church that bears the name of Jesus than those people who comprise that church knowing what season we are in and paying attention so we're not going to be caught off guard or unready when our groom arrives. He wants us to be ready. So let's, let's be ready. Let's do what he wants. Give the man what he wants, right? Okay, let's frame this with regard to this parable. Ten bridesmaids, they all start with oil in the lamp. What's the oil? In the word of God, the oil is going to represent the Holy Spirit. So um, keep your lamp filled with enough oil that if the hour grows late, like, you know, the announcement had come, the groom was on his way. They knew that much. It's about time. We're close. We're really close. But he was delayed and they fell asleep in the streets out there waiting for the groom. Like all 10 were dialed in enough, paying attention enough. They acted on the announcement. They didn't ignore it. They didn't stick their head in the sand. They acted on it. Not one of them went back home to their own bed because the hour grew late. He's delayed. He hadn't shown up yet. No, no. They were asleep in the street waiting. They fell asleep waiting. Jesus didn't say that it's bad that they fell asleep while they waited. He's telling us it's going to seem like it's taking too long. Even when all the signs are there to announce his soon arrival. Are we going to hang on if it takes a long, long time? How are we going to hang in there? You know, Only if we keep oil in our lamps. That's how. That's what this parable says. You have got to stay filled up with the Holy Spirit. If you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going to be able to hang. You just won't. Is it saying anything else? 
No, that's what it says. Five of them ran out of oil. They did not bring enough. They were not amply prepared. In that moment, we're not going to have time to say, hang on, hang on. I just, I need to get prayed up right quick. Let me just make sure. I think I've been quenching the spirit by my lifestyle. I'm watching trash I shouldn't be watching. And I'm uh, wasting my time and my resources. I do what I want with my money. I don't, I don't give at all. I'm not, I don't read my Bible. My prayer life is just, a. oh yeah, I've been, I've been quenching the spirit by the way that I live. Uh, I neglect my time with him in my everyday walking around life. He's just not on my radar. I don't give him a second, third, fourth, fifth. I, I don't even think about the Lord. I need a sec. Give me a minute. Give me a moment. I'm almost ready. You know, listen, Peter, James, and Paul in their in their New Testament letters, they introduce themselves like this. I, Paul, I, Peter, I, James, a slave to Jesus Christ. If we only do what we want to do and we just flake out on what the Lord wants us to be doing, what he wants us to be about, can we actually refer to ourselves as slaves to Christ? Jesus is not going to say, oh, no worries. Take your time. Go on and, you know, just hunt around, try to find some more oil. I'll just, let me just work around your schedule. How would that be? That is not what's going to happen. Delay? Okay. Okay. It, it's going to seem like it's going to take longer than it ought to. Keep your own personal lamp filled with oil. Any other thing that you're trying to fill up that lamp with? It's not going to work. We have to have oil ready for when the moment comes. Now, don't shoot the messenger. This is written in your Bible as well as mine. I didn't write it. I'm just sharing what Jesus point blank plainly said. And it's a timely word, right? And a timely word, wrote Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. A timely word is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It's a beautiful thing. It should be a beautiful thing. God told us what he wants us to know. So we need to just do what he said. Oil in your lamp. Keep oil in your lamp. Enough oil that you won't run out keep the oil in your lamp. Okay, so the last week or so, I've heard these these words I'm going to share with you. It's five words, and I've heard them over and over from people on social media, email, um, you know, it's it's in a lot of different places. I think I've even heard a couple of people say them face to face. These are the words. Get your house in order. That's the sense that people are hearing from the Lord. I'm thinking he's not talking about having 99 cans of beans stacked up. Like, I don't think he's talking about, do you have enough um, ammo? Like, I'm, I really, I'm, I don't think that's what he means. I mean, your inner man, your spiritual house, you are the temple of the Lord where the Holy Spirit dwells. Is that house in order? Do you have oil in your lamp? You know, one of the, one of the people that shared this was, he's a pastor from Ireland, and he shared those words, get your house in order, in conjunction with this exact parable about the 10 bridesmaids. And I had been planning on this. I mean, this is part of a series on holiness. So, I mean, because you're not going to have oil in your lamp if you're quenching the Holy Spirit and not even trying at all to live a holiness, a holy life. Holiness unto the Lord matters. And it's easy to quench the Holy Spirit when we're not even attempting to live a holy life. When you are living a holy life, it's hard to quench the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they go together. And this, it's not random that these same words are being repeated by people that love the Lord. And they're saying, I really think the Lord wants me to share this. This isn't to pick on anybody. God is doing this so that people will respond because he loves us so much. 
Keep oil in your lamp. That's the most important thing right there. When I see or hear or read the same thing again and again from different people, people in the kingdom, people who know the Lord, you know, pay attention because it's not random. Our God does not do random. That's why we can and why we should trust him completely. I mean, utterly sold out, completely trust him because random is not a thing in the kingdom of almighty God. That fact right there is enough to give us great hope. Think about that. Random is not a thing in the kingdom of your God. That should breed hope in you. That's why we can and should trust him. I keep saying that because it needs to be said. It's important. I hope you're grasping how important it is by kind of how impassioned I am today. So couple that with this amazing, beautiful warning to keep oil in your lamp for this exact moment. And then you will be ready when he returns for his bride, even if there is a delay, even if there is a delay. You're going to get to go into the wedding supper of the lamb. You do not want to miss that. Not for all the tea in China, not for the world. And it's clear. You can't share your oil with anybody else. This parable makes it clear. That will not work. That's not God's way. So it wouldn't be the right way. You've heard it said that God has no grandchildren, right? And that's totally true. It's your relationship with him and none other that's going to keep oil, the Holy Spirit, filled up in the lamp. The Holy Spirit in your life is about your individual relationship. You can't borrow somebody else's Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. Be much with the Lord. Stay filled up with the spirit of the living God. Do not neglect him. Take time to be with him. Carve out that time. Put some effort into it. Pay attention. Like if your personal time with the Lord costs you nothing, you're not really paying into it, right? How can you pay attention if it costs basically zero of you? Something Something just to think about there. Pay attention. Put some effort into it. It should cost you something when you're like wincing going, I got to get up earlier when I'd like to sleep that extra hour. Um, Okay, you're just paying. You're just showing it's worth it. You're showing that he's actually worth it. You were worth it when he was on the cross. He's worth it if you have to trade out a little bit of sleep. Not watch that next Netflix series that you're watching. Shut off the Disney Plus. Maybe even cancel your subscription, dare I say. He's worth it. If that's what it takes for you to give him what he's due, which is a little bit of time, (laughs) hello, he's worth it. Okay, Jesus is going to come back for his church, his bride, his people. It's his church. It's his bride. We are his people. We're not alone. We're not orphaned. We're not abandoned. We have hope. That extends beyond the reach of death, hell, the grave, illness, lack, loss, stress, poverty. I could go on and on. Should we not be the most hopeful, the most excited, the most looking up with anticipation kind of people in the world? Yes, the answer is yes. If you have hope, you should be hopeful. And if you need some hope, you feel like you're you're just like you're missing out. I need more hope. Uh, Good news. I know where you could access it. Be much with the Lord. Therein lies all the hope, all the joy, all the peace, all the love, the comfort, the wisdom, the grace, the favor that you need. I know that you need it. He knows that you need it. He has it for you, but you got to come to him. You got to come to him. Come and see. He's still saying, come and see. And he will absolutely fill you with the hope that you need. But you've got to go to him and be much with him spend time with him. Be much with your Lord. He's your Lord. Be much with him because I can promise you he so much wants to be with you. All right. Next week is going to be a special episode for Easter for Resurrection Sunday. And I want to encourage you to join me for that. 
We're going to go through Psalm 23 and talk about how um, it relates to Easter and just the new life and all the promises that we have in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And thank you so much for listening today. I got a little um, little fired up, a little excited, but I'm not going to apologize for that because Jesus is worth it. He's worth getting excited about. I'll tell you that much for sure. May the Lord bless you exceedingly, abundantly, just beyond what you could ever ask, hope, or imagine. I really mean that. And fill you with hope, all hope. Fill your lamp with oil. All right. Thanks for being here. I'm thankful for you, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.